It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May fifteenth, two 2014. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. I can say welcome back to you. Good to have yeah, you back. Yeah, Jacob. Great. Good to be back in the saddle again. And it's good for... I'm good. I'm glad to be back, too. We both were gone last yeah, week. Rare, rare occurrence in almost nine years of the virtual Bible study for us both to be out, and a, a first last week was that we played a uh, recorded uh, program. We hadn't done that before, but well, we did it last week. And, but it was uh, the one that needed to be heard again. We had been getting some questions about the topic of last week's sub, uh, program, and so we replayed an old one and uh, hopefully did some good with that, but we're live and in person tonight, and we're ready for people to join in. Glad that you're here, and looking forward to hearing from you, 877-381-4567, if you're listening to this anytime. Uh, in the recorded version, you can use the email address tonight or in the recorded version, questions at collegeview.com. And if you're listening to us live, the chat room to the bottom of your video feed is working tonight. Sign in there and join in with other listeners. And the program tonight is, well, it's a concerning one. Uh, we've had uh, someone that we won't name by name, but who has taken a position that is very concerning and troubling. Uh, someone who is a good friend of ours, who uh, who has not felt this way in the past. He ha- has agreed with us in the past, and he's taken a, a, a position that's rather extreme, and it's uh, been very disturbing but, to us this but week. But it's not a unique position. No, it's not. Others others take this view, and we've never really totally dealt with it on the virtual Bible study. We have in sort of a cursory way, but we want to hit this, try to hit this thing head on tonight, and it has to do with is there a pattern for the church to follow in the New Testament? And then underlying that, uh, do the examples we read in the New Testament provide authority for us to act? Yeah, it's uh, it, you may have heard it referred to as patternism. That seems to be the the going uh, term, and that's it's used in derision often. Yeah, lo- there have been a lot of um, folks attacking the notion of patternism. Right. That you know we shouldn't we shouldn't be teaching or practicing that sort of a thing. And I'm not. I, I guess. I couldn't say for sure all they have in mind with that expression, what they're trying to throw under the label patternism. But we're going to talk about a pattern, yeah. and we're going to see that the New Testament teaches that there is a pattern for us to follow. All right. So to our update list earlier today, I sent out some questions. We always remind you, if you're not on our update list, that we send out to several hundred people every week. If you're not on that list, get on that list, and we'll send you news on Thursday, usually about noon, as to what our topic is going to be for discussion. We'll give you some questions. We start seeking your feedback even in, before the program begins. To our update list, you can get on the list by sending us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. To our update list today, uh, I quoted uh, an Internet author who takes this view. And here's what he said. I've been searching the scriptures looking for instructions mandating 21st century churches to follow a pattern established by 1st century churches. Mm -hmm. Thus far, I haven't found it. 
Mm-hmm. What I did find numerous times was a call for believers across all times to follow Jesus and pattern themselves after him. So basically this fellow, well, not basically, I mean, just literally, he's saying that churches today <clears throat> have no obligation. He uses the word mandate. We're not instructed to try and be like those churches were back then. Yeah. Uh, and so that's that's what generating our discussion. And it tonight. is a it is a premise that we operate on, and that we we feel that you need to go to the New Testament and find what they did and do it today because it was approved then, and it'll be approved today. But this guy's saying, no, that's foolishness. You know, often we say about the church here, we're trying to be a church just like the church you read about in the pages of your New Testament. But they're saying that that's they're not, saying that's, that's a not flawed approach. Yeah, that you shouldn't even try that. No, not only are you not instructed to do it. It's 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 a it's, bad it's idea. It's a futile idea. It's, it really is a bad idea. That, yeah. that uh, sort of the idea that the church needs to evolve. You know, uh, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And I don't know that they use that word, but that, that's the concept. Or, so yeah. here's the questions that we sent out. Number one: Does the New Testament teach that Christians should follow a pattern found in the Scriptures? Yes or no, and defend your answer. And then, subsequent to that, are there warnings in the Word that apply to the idea of? following or not trying to follow a pattern. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Number two, do approved examples in the New Testament provide authority for us to act today? Mm-hmm. Yes or no, and defend your answer. And then subsequent to that, we ask if examples are authoritative, how can we tell which examples are binding and which ones are not? Yes. There's a lot of examples in the Bible. We don't follow them all. We, uh, we readily admit yeah. that we don't follow all the examples we read in the uh, New Testament. Yeah, that's been a big Jesus rode on a donkey. Yeah. To my knowledge, I've never been on a donkey. Oh, so am I not following the the example? People like the one that you've quoted here and the gentleman that, that we've been talking with this week would throw that up in your, your face and say, well, you don't follow them all, so therefore you can't insist anybody you, follow any of them. Right. Yeah, so we want to know okay. how, how can we tell which examples are binding and which ones are not. And then finally, number three, referencing what that author said about imitating Jesus, what would Jesus' example in, be in regards to following a pattern and observing examples. All right. So we'll we'll look at those. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. Do you feel as bad as you sound? I got a frog in my throat. Well, it's making me nervous. I'm afraid I'm going to have to, <coughs> that you, that you're going to, you're going to sort of. I may, this frog may jump out. Jump out. And, yeah. I, and, and I'll be, I'll be on my own here. <laughs> Well, but I won't be on my own because we've got my father-in-law, Nick Law, behind the, the controls He's actually tonight. the tech man tonight. Yeah, he's a little bit more nervous than when he's uh, expected to speak. Uh, Nick, thanks for coming tonight. I look forward to your participation. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen any smoke rising from the equipment yet, Nick. Nope. Yeah, maybe it'll stay together. <laughs> All right, well, you're doing a good job so far from what I can tell here. So appreciate you for being here. And raise your hand when you're ready to talk. We'll turn your mic on. Uh, well, the idea of patternism, is it a bad idea? Does Do the scriptures tell us? Uh, that we need to be following a pattern. Now, the gentleman that I've spoken to this week says, yes, obviously they were told to follow a pattern in the Old Testament. Uh, God gave them explicit instructions on how to build the tabernacle, and Moses was told to follow that pattern as he built the tabernacle. They were given extensive instructions on things they needed to be following in the Old Testament. But this gentleman said, he said, that's not the way it is under the Christian dispensation today, that we have liberty. We don't have to follow patterns like that. Well, let's look at a few things. There's really two views on this subject, Jacob. One is that when the church began, when Christianity began in the first century, that it was exactly what God intended it to be. It was just as he wanted it. Yeah. 
therefore, we would be doing the right thing to go back and be just like they were. We, if we did what they did in the way that they did it, then that would be a good thing because we'd be going back to God's original intent and purpose. Now, there the has to be some caveat to that because it has to be the things that they did that, they, that were approved because yeah. there's a list of churches in Revelation that were not doing what God said to do. There, the church at uh, Corinth was not doing what God said to do. So there, there is a caveat to that. We understand that. That's why we often use the expression when we're talking about Bible authority, we talk about approved examples. Right. We don't just say examples. For instance, real early on in the history of the church in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied about a gift that they made and were struck dead. Well, there's an example of Christians acting, but it's clearly not an approved example. And so we we try to be uh, specific in saying that approved examples are authoritative. This gentleman that we were talking to, he said, well, we should follow Jesus' example, we should follow the apostles' example, but beyond that, how do you know that you should be following the church's example? Well, you can't even go as far as saying you're supposed to follow the apostles' example and everything because, remember Peter, he was condemned. Uh, in certain actions. So we do have to follow examples, but only those that are approved. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. Now, the other view that is, I think is becoming more popular, and we're, we're, that's sort of what we're trying to address with our discussion tonight is that God never really intended for Christianity to be a static thing. Uh, with Instead, what the Lord intended was that if there, there are a few core beliefs, beyond that, we are free to... Uh, do whatever we think is best in the circumstance. Well, the, the gentleman that you quoted here apparently has that view. He says, I find, I, I found numerous times a call for believers across all times to follow Jesus and pattern themselves after him. So that'd be the idea. You, you do what, you just sort of pattern yourself after Jesus. That's loosely defined, by the way. But well, you just, well, that's, that's part of the problem is if, if we go this route, if we say, well, you know, we're pretty much at liberty to do as we as we want to beyond a few core necessary beliefs. Who gets to say what the core beliefs are? Who gets to say what the essential things are? And then we're at liberty with everything. Who gets to delineate that? If we if we don't see them clearly delineated in scriptures, uh, is it just all arbitrary, or is somebody have the privilege of being the one who makes the decision? On those so things? what you're saying is the the argument that we can't. Uh follow the examples because who gets to decide what examples are followed that is not solved by saying we just need to be like jesus because yeah, yeah, then, no, no, I, I, I say that again because th- that's what they're accusing us of yeah, right that we 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 believe some examples are authoritative and others we don't need to and follow. it's just arbitrary as to which ones you want to follow okay that's what they accuse us so of. they say forget patternism because that's not valid so what we'll do is we'll just be like jesus in a few core things but then who gets to decide what the core things are? so they've got the same problem we got it doesn't solve any problems. Uh, yeah, okay. And by the way, though, we're not being arbitrary. In no, and we're going to, in, in we'll our second that. part of our program, we want to talk about those binding examples. How do we tell which ones are binding, right. which ones are not? All right. So let's start out by saying that clearly in the, in the beginning of the church, uh, there was a, a unity among believers based upon consistent adherence to what was identified as the apostles doctrine. Okay. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And it was working because in chapter 4 of Acts, verse 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Yeah. And so there was true unity among those early Christians. Obviously, this is the first congregation of God's people meeting in Jerusalem. They were under the direct leader leadership of the inspired apostles. 
what were they doing? They were adhering to the apostles' doctrine. That was the basis of their unity. And I would argue that the only way that we can have unity today is that we pursue that same course. We have to follow the apostles' doctrine. So they were following that doctrine, and then as we go on in Acts, we'll see the things that they did. And we go on throughout the New Testament, we'll see what they were doing. But they were adhering to the apostles' doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jesus said when he left, he would send the Spirit that would would guide the apostles in all truth. And the Spirit would teach the things that Jesus expected of his disciples. So... If the apostles were being led by the Spirit, the Spirit was guiding them in all truth, and the church was sticking to the doctrine that the apostles were teaching, then it would be by default uh, conclusion that we would have to say that the new for the first century church was doing what God wanted them to do. Yeah, I think that's right. And doing, well, they were patterning themselves after Jesus, if we can borrow the terminology that was that was used. Yeah. Okay. Now, we see, I think, a, a number of, warnings and admonitions about following the right pattern or form in mm-hmm. the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And now I think you said that the fellow you were talking to already dis, dis, demit, dismissed Hebrews chapter eight, verse five, beginning Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see, saith he that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the Mount. But now hath Jesus obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established, which was established upon better promises. Now, all, all who have studied the Old Testament and gone through there and read in Exodus and Leviticus when God was giving the law to Moses and read the specifics about how the tabernacle was to be constructed. I mean, there was an incredible amount of detail given. Mm-hmm. And God told Moses, you be sure to make it just like I said. Mm-hmm. And so in Old Testament times, no one could argue that God was a God of patterns. No, no. Do do it according to the pattern that has been shown you. Don't make deviation from it. I think one of the just sort of broad questions that I would ask on those who deny that we need to follow a pattern today is, what's changed about God? If, if that was the nature and character of God in Old Testament times to insist that people closely follow a pattern, what would be different today? What do we get? We get a little feedback. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's the answer. Uh, yeah, you're, you're okay. Oh, we missed something there. That, that, oh, I didn't. We didn't hear the. Okay, we missed a call. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, all we're saying, we to those who are watching and listening, we we were hearing something in the background. Turns out it was the answering machine in the office yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, okay. Go we ahead. missed a call. So yeah. if whoever called us, call back. We'll we'll try to pay closer attention. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, We're so engrossed in the discussion here, we missed the phone ringing. Well, that's a shame. Okay, go ahead. Uh, But again, I I think. All right, we've got got it now. Caller, welcome to the program. Sorry we missed you the first time. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, Jacob, this is Wade. Hey, Wade, go ahead. I wanted to to say just a little bit about patterns tonight. I, I started writing my. By email to you, and I didn't get to finish it, so I just kind of wanted to. Uh, you took the shortcut. You called it in. That's that's fine. Well, I got moved to the front of the line that way. That's exactly right. And we can't ignore you. So yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I think it's a worthy study um, that we study patterns. But I think one of the <laughs> questions that we need to ask is: Did God use patterns, and does He use patterns ever in the in the scriptures? And I think the answer to that is is yes. 
when we go back in the first Chronicles, and I'm going to cite some scriptures here. Hold on just a second. I'm using my phone, so hold on just a second. Okay. Well, he's using his phone for his Bible, and he's talking on it. Uh, we're going to have, I think we're going to get stuck here in a, maybe in an infinite loop, but we'll have to be uh, careful. Okay. Uh, the, the, the argument is, as you were, as you were enumerating there. That, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Chron- you hear me? Well, yeah, go ahead. Okay. First Chronicles 28, 19. Um, uh, when David is talking here, and it says, all this said, David, the Lord made un- made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern. Which, what he's talking about is he's talking about the construction of the temple that Solomon is going to build. But even over into the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, uh, when you turn there, he says, talking about, a, talking, comparing the, the heavenly to the earthly, just as Moses was warned by God when uh, when he was about to erect the tabernacle, uh, for see, he says, that thou make all things according to the pattern which was shown on the mountain. Um, and over in Philippians, he mentions patterns as well, because he tells us, brethren, join in the example, in my example, and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So I think a study of patterns is very worthy, but I think we should caution ourselves when we talk about patterns because it, it could get into the point where we're saying, and, and if we need to get into this, that's fine, but we have to say, what patterns are we going to follow? And we have to identify those patterns that are, that are set down for us to follow because people are going to ask questions like, well, I know you want to be like the church in the first century, but, you know, they didn't have air conditioner in the church in the first century, and they didn't have, uh, uh, I don't know, ceiling fans, and they didn't have carpet, and they didn't have pavement. And, I mean, all well, those things are worthy questions that we need to address. Well, that's, so, what we're, that's what we're going to talk about in the second part of our program, Wade. We're going to talk about which examples are binding upon but, us. But I like what you said there, Wade, and we're, we're trying to establish the fact here up front. Do we need to be following a pattern? You cited a direct command where Paul tells us, follow the pattern. Yeah, and and what we were saying, just as you were calling in, Wade, is that God is a God of patterns and always has been, clearly was so in the Old Testament. And, and of course, we don't follow the, the law of the Old Testament, but we can go back there to learn something of the nature of God. Yep. And we see the nature of God being a God who insisted on you do it carefully just as I said to do it. Yeah. Romans 15.4 tells us that, that we should be looking at those things that were written before time, right? For our learning, right. For our learning. So I think you're exactly right. Good and, points. And I th- okay. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wade. Thanks, thanks for calling. calling in. Uh, uh, all right. right. And it's time for a break. But when we get back, we've got to get into the discussion. That was the Old Testament. The argument today is, well, we're not under the Old Testament anymore. So let's look at some New Testament passages. Galatians that teach chapter 5, verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see there? All these patterns, all these strict regulations that God had given the Old Testament, we're not under that in today. Okay. We, we, we have liberty, and we need to be standing fast in that liberty. Is that, does that then negate the instructions to follow the patterns? We'll get into that when we get back from the break. 
We want to hear your thoughts, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Here's some quotes worth pondering. If you want your children to turn out well, spend twice as much time with them and half as much money. Could it be that the reason the church is having so little influence on the world is because the world is having so much influence on the church? The reason that worry kills more people than work is because more people worry than work. Man, wish I'd said that. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. Thanks for joining us as we talk about patterns. Are patterns what we need to be following today? Do we need to be looking to the New Testament for patterns and how we should behave? Well, it's broader than just the church, but definitely in the church, but in our personal lives as well. Do we need to be looking to patterns or do we just look to Jesus and pattern ourselves or imitate him? We're looking at uh, that question on the program tonight. Look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And in the chat room tonight, uh, Stephen uh, in the chat room says, well, apostasy like this is to fulfill prophecy. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, beginning for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And um, uh, so... Um, Stephen says that this kind of apostasy is to be expected. Uh, he also cites John 17, verse 8, uh, where Jesus says, For the words which thou gavest me, I have given to them, and they received them. So Jesus gave instructions to the apostles, the disciples. They received them and taught them. And therefore, the things that they taught and the things that they practiced, we should imitate in our lives uh, today. Let's go to the idea of, we, we again, we were pointing out in the Old Testament, God was clear they got a pattern in the Old Testament. What about in the New Testament? Got a few verses here. Second uh, Timothy 1, verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words. Notice the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, and in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. First Timothy 1, verse 3, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Mm-hmm. Romans 6, beginning verse 17, God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, which was delivered. Again, notice the form of doctrine, or which was delivered you. Mm-hmm. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I wanted to read, uh, we got an email from our friend Aaron in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He sums it up well. Yeah, here's what he said about that. Some of those very verses I was just reading. He says, yes, the New Testament teaches that we should follow a pattern. That pattern included what Jesus said, but it also included what his apostles taught and practiced. Jesus told them, Matthew 28, 20, to make disciples, quote, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Therefore, we can learn about what Jesus taught by seeing what his apostles taught and practiced. The New Testament uses a word for pattern, tupos in the Greek, uh, in places like this. Romans 6, verse 17, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Uh, Philippians 3, 17, join in following my example and note those who walk so that you have us for a pattern. A different word for pattern is found in Second Timothy one thirteen. Quote: Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. And again, Paul tells the Philippians that they should follow his pattern in Philippians four verse nine. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think 
Aaron has done a good job of showing that that concept is clearly taught in the New Testament. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or, or our epistle. Now, let's say, okay, so they were told they need to be following patterns. But is it a valid assumption for us to say we can look to the, new, the church then and pattern ourselves after them? Or do we just have to stop at the apostles? We have to stop at the things that we saw Jesus do and the things that we saw the apostles do. Can't is it valid for us to follow the churches and pattern after them? Well, as you said earlier, the church that we know that churches of the first century had their issues, mm-hmm. and we 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 are, we try to be specific to identify approved examples as those which we must right. follow. Sometimes I don't hear this terminology as much as I used to when I was a kid. Preachers always used to refer to approved apostolic example. Mm -hmm. In other words, it has to be an example that we can demonstrate had the endorsement of an inspired person showing that it was correct. For instance, we're going to get into this in the second part of our study in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, when the saints met on the first day of the week to break bread. Well, the apostle Paul was there with them in that assembly. And so we would say clearly here we have a church acting and we see an inspired apostle even participating with them in that action. So we would say there, there you have clearly an approved apostolic example. Right. Uh, in other instances, we know of churches and we know that their example was approved because they received commendation, uh, by, by, by the apostles. For instance, in first Thessalonians chapter one, uh, uh, Beginning verse 6, Paul said, Ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were examples to all who believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. So here, clearly the church at Thessalonica was receiving a commendation from an inspired apostle, which would, would would argue that that their example, therefore, in regards to spreading the gospel, was an approved one. Well, absolutely, because he says in Philippians three verse seventeen, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. So follow Paul and follow the people who were following Paul. Maybe a more practical one in Philippians chapter four. Paul writes to the church of Philippi and says, You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. So here was a church sending money to a preacher preaching in another location. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm arguing that that establishes a pattern. Yeah. You know, here's, here's an example of a church. Would it be right? The question, so we would throw the question up. Would it be right for this church to send money to a preacher who's preaching off in some distant location and doesn't have enough money to support himself? Would it be right? Yeah. We would say yes, because we have the approved example of the church at Philippi doing that very thing. Paul commended them for doing that, and therefore we know it's an approved example. All right. There's some, there's, if we throw this out, when we throw out the idea that we need to be following the example of the first century churches, then... We throw open the door for basically anything goes. Uh, Nick, you and I were talking before the program. Uh, this gentleman we've been talking to this week, uh, he says, well, we can't even bind that uh, we need to be taking the, new, the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Um, look at well. And Nick, your comment was, how do I know, how can I by faith take it on any other day? 
uh, when the only <laughs> example I have of the first century church is taking it on the first day of the week. Romans 10, verse 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We certainly have that example yeah. of it being done on the first day of the week. Now the question would be, if I'm going to have faith in the word of God, where does the word of God give any other day whereby I could t- Can you take it in suffer? faith? And the answer is no, because you can't read right. it in the New Testament. Uh, along those lines of what Nick was just saying, we, we've got some specific warnings, Jacob. First Corinthians 4, verse 6, the American Standard Version says, Learn not to go beyond the things which are written. Second John, verse 9, the New American Standard Version says, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. So this idea that I wouldn't have to have authority, that I wouldn't be obligated to do as is demonstrated in the New Testament by Jesus and the in the inspired apostles of the first century, would certainly I think be going beyond and not abiding in the doctrine, and and very dangerous warnings there. All right, all right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's see. We need to take uh, let's take a break. Take a break. Um, uh, Stephen in in his email. Yeah, to read us. that. Stephen's in the chat room tonight, but he also has emailed us. Uh, does the Bible tell us uh, the New Testament teach that Christians should follow a pattern? Stephen answers, absolutely it does. One example I use on a regular basis is found in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, which uh, we have already cited where uh, Moses was told to follow the pattern. He says the architecture, furniture, as well as the the order of service were all revealing God's redemptive plan uh, concerning salvation. The labors represented repentance. The Holocaust altar represented Christ's death on the cross. The ne- next, the priests uh, submerged themselves in the molten sea by complete bodily immersion. Uh, this all, of course, represents baptism. At this point, they changed their clothes. It references Galatians 3.27. Once clean, they could enter the holy place representing the church where the light and bread were provided, Christ, and where the golden altar incense, uh, incense altar was located. The holiest of holies was made available when the curtain was rent from top to bottom at Christ's death, and it represents heaven in itself. Mark 15:38. The only way into the holiest place was from the holy place, a representation of the church. Then and only then could they offer incense, which Revelations chapter 8, verses 3 and 5, through 5 and 5, verse 8, indicate are the prayers of the saints. There's only one door to the tabernacle. John 10, verses 7 and 9 uh, states, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters uh, through me, he shall be saved. As an example of what happens when one alters the plan, we need not look any further than Nadab and Abihu, Leviticus 10, verse 1. If there were some other way to salvation, then the temple would have been, would have had other doors available. Of an assurity, patterns are a part of God's word, and just as a builder must follow an architect's plan, so we need to follow God's plan, and it really is. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, Stephen's gone into a lot more detail of type but, and anti-type there than, than I would have been able to do, but... Again, I think that stresses what we were saying earlier, that God has always been a God of pattern. Uh, and I think it would be a challenge to those who are saying, we don't have to follow any pattern today, to say, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I understand, it's sort of an ambiguous question and broad in general, but it would still be a challenge that I think would have to be answered. Why is it that what has changed about God that he would not still be such a God of pattern. You know, uh, go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand there fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Is that, that's is clearly that referring talking to about, patterns? No, that's clearly talking about the law of Moses. Okay. I think you can read that context and find out that we are not 
to be obligated or bound by the the law of Moses. We now under the law of Christ, which is the perfect yeah. law of liberty. Yeah. For uh, James chapter one yeah. verse twenty five. Yeah. And and so we have we have liberties that that I mean we have a just an overwhelming amount of liberty that those who were serving under the first covenant did not have. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we are not without law at all. Absolutely. Be careful how you use that, because I can use the same thing for, well, fornication. You know, God was very explicit in the Old Testament about not committing fornication. Uh, But we have liberty in Christ. Don't get entangled again with that yoke of bondage. We have liberty. Stand fast in that liberty. No? If if you're going to just take that without any qualifier at all, then there's no holes barred. Everything goes. That's right. But uh, but these folks that we're that we are responding to tonight, they're not. They don't believe that. No. We're, and, and it would be a misrepresentation to say that they're teaching that. No. But what we're saying is, you got to be consistent in application. If you're going to apply that verse, then you got to be willing to accept all the logical consequence of it. All right. And well, they, they would say, well, we can't throw out the instructions because there's commands against fornication. Well, we believe there are commands to follow patterns, as we've shown. And so when you throw out the patterns, it is the equivalent of throwing out the commands against fornication, murder, and so forth. We're going to get a break. we get this week's bullet point. We'll look forward to your comments on the other side. Rick in the chat room has cited 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17. Timothy was to bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Seems obvious Paul was setting forth a pattern for every church. Timothy was to teach that pattern. Rick, thank you for that comment. We'll look forward to your comments as well. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. In times of crisis, individuals can accomplish incredible things, things that ordinarily would be beyond their ability to achieve. We've all heard examples of nearly superhuman feats that were performed under extreme circumstances. For instance, men have been known to lift the weight of an automobile in order to free a person trapped underneath. Normally, this would be beyond their ability, but in an emergency situation, they succeed. Or we're told of soldiers who do amazing and spectacular things in the heat of battle when their comrades are in danger. There's a spiritual lesson to be learned here. Too often we go about our spiritual service to God without a good recognition of the crisis situation that exists around us. We are under attack from both within and without the body of Christ. The forces of Satan are advancing against us and we hardly seem to notice. And since we are basically unaware of the danger, we never accomplish anything terribly significant for the cause of Christ. We need to wake up, have a good look at the crisis situation that surrounds us. It's time for courage and resolve. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, quote, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so, Christian, sense the danger, realize the crisis, recognize the battle facing us. Alone we would be helpless, but with God's help we can do amazing things in his service. But we have to be aware of the awesome challenges. He has promised, quote, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let's get busy. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. See, I told you we'd be back. The Virtual Bible Study continues. And we're back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find a list of archives of previous programs, and you can find a, a podcast of recent sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ 
Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we do remind you that if you have any comments about anything you hear on any edition of the Virtual Bible Study, you'd like to discuss those with us further. We welcome those comments. Questions at collegeu.com. If you have any suggestions, we would uh, re- recommend or request those and welcome those as well. If you have any suggestions for future topics of discussion on the Virtual Bible Study, or if you have questions you'd like considered on the Virtual Bible Study, we'd welcome those questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about patterns on the program tonight. Hey, Jay, I've just got an email from our friend Al in Florida. We haven't heard from him in a I long time. Heard from Al. uh, Al Al's down in your neck of the woods, Nick. Uh, you know how. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm yeah. glad, to, glad to hear from you, Al. And, and uh, he says, if we want God's endorsement, follow the exhortation of the Apostle Paul, quote, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you, Philippians 4, verse 9. I think you're exactly right. Chieflin, Florida is where he's at. Uh, so, Al, thanks for writing in tonight. All right. uh, I do think that's the key verse. We're going to move to more more specifically, Jacob, to this idea of approved examples and, and try to get into how do we tell which ones are approved and which ones are not. But I think that verse that Al mentioned, that is the prime verse that says examples are authoritative. Paul said those things which ye, this is Philippians 4 verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Notice, you do what I taught you, uh, you know, what you, what you learned from me and what you heard from me. You do what you saw me do. Yeah. Uh, and the God of peace will be with you. I don't, I don't know how I don't know how much plainer that could be. Well, back to the Lord's Supper issue. We saw Paul take the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Yeah. Paul says, "If I did it, you do it." Well, when are you going to take the Lord's Supper? Seems to me it's pretty uh, shut, open and shut case there. It let's needs go to be done to on the first day of the week. Let's go to that. Let's use that as a case study, Jacob. Okay. Let's go back to Acts chapter twenty. As we said, clearly Paul said, follow my example. Here's an example from the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 6. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together, and so on it goes. Now, Several examples are demonstrated there. For instance, Paul, Paul as an apostle, traveled by ship. Mm-hmm. To get from one destination to another, he traveled by sailing ship. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the one that we're focusing on there is in verse 7. He met with the disciples on the first day of the week and observed the Lord's Supper. Uh, I don't think we have to prove to anybody who's listening tonight, but if we need to, we can, that the breaking of bread there is an expression that denotes the observance of the Lord's Supper. Okay. Uh, by the way, just as an aside, I've heard some, I've been reading after some who said that this was a nighttime meeting of the church. And that, therefore, if we were going to follow the example of, of taking the Lord's Supper, we'd have to do it in the evening, not in the morning. I don't think you can prove that from that verse. Uh, the the, the meeting that. went on into the evening. That's right. But you can't, it doesn't, say, it doesn't when it say when it started. It doesn't say what time of day it was when they took the yep. Lord's Supper. Yep. And so that would not be part of the example we could mind because we don't even know. Yeah. This example does not spell that out. Right. In other words, if it said at 3 o'clock in the afternoon they observed the Lord's Supper, then we have something else to talk about. Yeah. But since it doesn't identify what time of day or night right. that they took the Lord's Supper, then right. we couldn't we couldn't insist on that. Right. Okay. Uh, 
Now, there are other things. Paul pre- other parts of the example would include things like Paul preaching till midnight. I think most brethren would be upset if every Sunday the preacher was obligated to follow the example of Paul and preach till midnight. All right. We don't do that. Is it binding? Is it binding? Are we messing up because we're not doing that? Okay. And sort of interestingly, uh, verse 8 says that this was an upper chamber. Mm-hmm. In other words, a, at least a second-story room, mm-hmm. at least a second-story room, high enough that when a fellow fell out of the window, it killed him in, in, in the subsequent verses, yeah. and Paul raised him to life. All right. Now, <clears throat> from that storyline in Acts chapter 20, how can we know which of those examples are binding and which ones are not? Actually, when you ask that question... There are three possible answers. Now, you're doing some logic here. Yeah. Okay. All of the examples are binding. Mm -hmm. That's position one. Mm -hmm. None of the examples are binding. Position two. Position of the, that's being discussed. That's what a lot lot of folks are trying to get to. They're trying to say, forget the examples altogether. So either all are or none are, or there's some middle ground that says some examples are binding and others are incidental. Yeah. And I believe that third position is the correct one. Okay. All right. Now, how would we go about determining? You know, again, we don't want to just be arbitrary. Uh, you know, just say it doesn't matter. You know, do what you want, do it as you want. And so we need to set up some rules of logic yeah. Yeah. that would help us understand as we study the scriptures, okay. as we interpret them. Help us understand which ones are binding and which ones are not. All right. How do we determine that then? Because that is the crux of the argument here. How do we determine? If we're going to say some are binding and some aren't, how do you know? Well, I've got some. I've got four points here that I like to say, suggest not original with me. I think I first came across these years and years and years ago. Uh, a, a preacher who's long since dead, Robert Farish, wrote a little tra- a tract and dealing with this exact question: When are New Testament examples binding? That okay. was the title of the tract. Uh, and what that tells us is this is not a new question. No. This question has been around for a long, long time. And it's not just something that has been dreamed up by some folks today. You know, they're not the first ones who ever came upon this issue. No. In fact, interestingly, we just had a little uh, promo spot by James Buchanan, who, who he said, I'm James Buchanan of Columbia, Tennessee. Not so accurate. He's, he's, that's not accurate anymore. James Buchanan is preaching in South Africa, and I just recently had some communication with him. This has been an issue over there in South Africa. And so this is nothing new. This, this, it is, and I think it is a challenging question. It's been around for a long time. Brethren have had to try to deal with this in, in a fair way. Yeah. But the unfair way is to just say, forget it. Done. No yeah. examples at all. I yeah. think we've been able to prove from scripture that, that approved examples are binding. We just got to use our logic. God gave us minds and a capability to think, and we've got to we've got to apply ourselves to determine which ones would be binding, which ones are not. So let me give you an example. One of the principles that you have to apply logically is what might be called the law of harmony. Yeah. Uh, the actions of any example must be consistent with other undoubted scriptural teaching in order to be regarded as binding. In other words, that is to say, an example should never be considered binding when the example or action is in conflict with statements of express command, necessary inference, or other example. Okay. We could use the case of Peter. Now, Peter was even an inspired apostle. Mm-hmm. But in Galatians chapter 2, Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face 
because he was to be blamed. Mm-hmm. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. And so here's Peter showing a respect of persons. You know, he, he refused to associate with Gentile Christians when other Jews were around because he, he feared the reaction that he would get from them. Now, would we be authorized to follow the example of Peter? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, because that would be an open contradiction to statements like James chapter 1, excuse me, James chapter 2, verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Verse 9 of that same chapter says, if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. And so I think that's a pretty easy one. So one rule would be this law of harmony. So you can't force this example to contradict with a command or something that's clearly approved. Right. Okay. Law of harmony. Got it. Okay. Let's go to the next one. All right. The next one is... I think also pretty easy to understand is what we would call the law of uniformity. Uh, Uniformity in essential details must be present in any example for the action involved to be binding. If in the same, this is the key, if in the same situation different actions are taken, then neither can be considered as binding. Okay, you need to say that again because that's important. Important. Okay. If in the same situation, yeah. different actions are taken, then neither can be considered to be binding. Ah, this gets into uh, how Paul traveled on his missionary journeys. Okay, we said there in Acts chapter 20, we read about him in a sailing ship. Ah. Well, other times we read about him traveling by foot. So neither one are binding. So you could bind that. I mean, that's a pretty easy illustration. Ah, that makes sense. What would What would be another example? Acts 20, verse 7 says they met on the first day of the week to break bread. If we read someplace else that they met on Tuesday to break bread, then you couldn't say Sunday or Tuesday. Either one is is the binding example. Right. But since the only example we have of New Testament Christians meeting to observe the Lord's Supper is on the first day of the week, then that is uniform because it is the only one. Oh, but Jesus established the Lord's Supper on Thursday. He told them what to do, but he didn't tell them when to do it. And the only information we have about when to do it is provided by that example in Acts chapter 20. Okay. All right. Okay. So got number two. So first one is law of harmony. Can't contradict another clear teaching. Law of uniformity. If it's going to be a binding example, it has to be the only way they did it. What's the next way? Well, let's take a break. Let me catch my oh, breath here. Oh, is it time for a break? Yeah. yeah your voice needs voice. a break. Yeah. You, yeah. We, we need a break here. When we get back, we'll continue the discussion. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 
According to the U.S. Department of Census, 43% of children in the United States live without their father. Children living in homes where fathers are absent are far more likely to be expelled from school. They are also more likely to drop out of school, develop emotional and behavioral problems, commit suicide, and fall victim to child abuse or neglect. Fatherless males are far more likely to become violent criminals. Fatherless males represent 70% of the prison population serving long-term sentences. That information is from the book, What He Must Be If He Wants to Marry My Daughter, by Vody Bochamp, Jr., the Word of God says in Ephesians 6, verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour. We're going fast because we're running out of time. Talking about uh, examples and patterns. How do we know if they're binding? All right, so we've got a couple of things on the table. In other words, they're basically rules of logic that we use in trying to interpret the Scriptures and come to proper conclusions because all understand that not every example in the New Testament is a binding example. Yeah. Uh, some say none are. We're saying some are and some aren't. And how are we going to make that distinction? We've talked about the law of harmony. In other words, before you could say you've got a binding example, it's got to be done that way every time. Uh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. That's the law of uniformity. It's right. got to be done that way every time. In other words, there has to be uniformity of examples. The same, 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 same. Every time we see it happening, the same thing's happening. Okay. We all we, first. The first one we talked about was the law of harmony. No example is binding if it contradicts something else that's plainly taught in the scriptures. Okay. So okay. we got harmony and uniformity. The third rule that we would use, I think, logically, we might call, and I think in that tract I referenced earlier. Robert Farish called it the law of universal application. And the idea is no example is to be regarded as binding when it cannot be universally applied. The gospel is universal in scope. Its requirements can be met, can be met by all men of all time. Uh, uh, again, we know that. So they, they saying you can't, it couldn't be something that would be impossible for you to follow. Right. Uh, if, if if someone said, if you, in order to properly take the Lord's Supper, you have to be Troas was a was an oceanfront city. Mm-hmm. You've got to be within five miles of the ocean. Yeah, to take the Lord's Supper scripturally, Paul was you know that Paul I don't know how far he was, but he wasn't far. I mean Troas was a yeah. was a seacoast city. Yeah. Well, what are we going to do? Yeah, we're landlocked here. Yeah. You know, uh, Nick, even Nick, who lives in Florida, is more than five miles from the from yeah. the from yeah. the, the ocean, and so, you know, God wouldn't put a requirement like that on me. Yeah. In, in the wisdom of God, He would never do a thing like that. Verses like Romans chapter two, verse eleven say, "God is no respecter of persons," and so, and so we're saying that the example, you know, for instance, Paul traveled by ship. Yeah, I can't get anywhere by ship here. Yeah, you know. Uh, do I have to travel by ship? Am I forbidden to drive in an automobile? If, yeah. if I'm going to imitate the example of the Apostle Paul, I can only travel by ship? No, because of the universal nature of the Scripture right. and the universal application of it. Okay. Uh, but again, in, in that example we cited from Acts chapter 20, it, it would eliminate as binding mode of travel. Uh, it would eliminate uh, architectural structures. You know, it's, we said, we pointed out, they were in an upper room. Mm-hmm. Well, here I am, and um, you know, 
I'm not even near a building, much less a two-story building. And so I can't take the Lord's Supper because our group is meeting out. In a grass hut. In a grass hut somewhere. And we haven't figured out how to make a grass hut two-story. Yeah, and last time we tried it fell in. (laughs) Right. And we had a pile of hay when we were done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and so, again, those kind of things would, would be eliminated as not binding because they are not universally applicable. Right. Okay. And there's one more rule you've got there. Right, and then the last. And these are just logical rules, not a, a man-made creed no, or anything. No, it's, words, just lo- someone, it's just logic. If someone went and said, "Where in the scriptures does it talk about the law of harmony, the law of uniformity, the law of universal application?" We're not saying it says it in so many words. We're saying that logic, the application of logic in understanding the scriptures, would require us to have these principles in mind. Right. Okay. Number four, and finally, is the law uh, of legitimate extension. Uh, no New Testament example is to be viewed as binding in situations other than those set forth in the inspired record of the action. Uh, I, I, let me give you an example of what I have in mind here. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, All that believed, this is right after the church began. You know, we talked about going back, be a church just like the church in the New Testament, do, do everything just as they did. Yeah. Well, here's something they did right early on. Acts 2.44, all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Sound like they lived in a commune or a communal kind of existence. They had all things common. They did not hold, they sold their private property and contributed to the common good, common good and, and departed and, 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 and parted it out as every man had necessity. So, should we be doing that? Right. I think it's a fair question. I mean, if you want to, if you want to attack at a, at a, at I think a, a really good point. If I was taking the view that, you know, you got to do all the examples or do none, I'd say you're not doing that example, and why not? Yeah. Well, I think the answer to that is this last point that we're making, that we're calling the law of legitimate extension. That was unique circumstance. Yeah. Uh, in the first days of, of the church in Jerusalem. There were a lot of people there who were not from there. There were a lot of people in Jerusalem because of the Feast of Pentecost, and they stayed uh, once they learned the truth about Jesus, and they became Christians, and they were excited about their new faith in Christ, and they stayed, and they needed provision. This was a unique need, a unique circumstance, and it was met in this way. They sold their possessions and, and contributed so that the common good could be achieved. Now, we're not in that situation. If we got in that situation where there was a tremendous need, as Christians, we should try to do as they did. Yeah. But we're not in that same circumstance. And so legitimately, you can't apply that example to a, a, a circumstance not like that example. Yeah. Of course, I think also we would have the idea of, of uh, uniformity. The law of uniformity would come to play there, too, yeah. because... We read elsewhere in Scripture where Christians did hold private property, yeah. uh, had their own houses and lands. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, from a couple of different uh, angles there, we could say that is not a binding example for us. Yeah. Now, it's, this is important. We've, we've established a couple of facts here. Number one, we have shown that we are to be following patterns today. We're to be imitating the Christ, we're to be imitating the apostles, and we're to be imitating those who were following the apostles, which were the first century churches. We are to be following patterns today. We need to be doing that. Now, people are saying, well, 
you don't follow all of the examples in the New Testament. To which we agree immediately. So, so, so therefore, we can, the, 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 the argumenter says, well, I'm just, I think we should just throw it all out. We don't need to be following any patterns. Well, what, what, which stand do you want to take? Do you just want to say, well, you're not doing it right? So that, 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 doesn't relieve, that doesn't relieve the argumenter of the obligation to follow patterns because you don't follow all the examples, which you don't. And we admit that, it. That and doesn't. It. That doesn't. That doesn't then relieve him of the obligation to be following the patterns of the New Testament. You have a reason and an explanation. You're not just saying. I'm, I'm, you're not just going to throw it out. If, if that makes any sense, what I'm saying. It'd be the same as saying, well, the Bible says don't fornicate, but it also says don't lie. So since, well, you don't fornicate, but you do lie, you violate that command. So we just don't need to follow any of the commands. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I, I don't know if it made any sense there. But no, you ahead. did. You did. Okay. I want to read what Aaron said about this. Uh, Aaron in Baton Rouge writes, Yes, approved examples are part of the pattern. In a sense, if we cannot follow examples, then we should throw out the whole Bible because none of it was addressed directly to us. That's an interesting point, Jacob. Get this. Even commands that Jesus and his apostles gave were not spoken to us. The only reason we find them authoritative is that we understand that Jesus' disciples, they would should pattern themselves after the recipients of those original commands. We use the same principles to understand examples in the Bible that we should use to, but we use the same principles to understand examples of the Bible that we would use to understand examples in other aspects of life. To be brief, an example in the New Testament should not be considered binding if, if it is, an example in the New Testament should be considered binding if it is uniform, in harmony with the rest of the scripture, approved by inspired men, able to be universally applied, and not subject to stated limitations, such as the present distress in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 21, or 26. Remember, 1 Corinthians 7, 26, Paul instructed them not to marry, better better not to marry because of the present distress. Yeah. But uh, in other places, we're taught that, that to marry is a blessing. Yeah. He says, even in the first century church, even the first century churches were examples for others to follow. First Thessalonians 1, 6 through 7, Paul says that the church in Thessalonica became followers of us and of the Lord, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. As Paul corrected problems with how the Corinthians were observing Lord's Supper, he directed them back to the things he originally taught them, which themselves were simply reflections of what Jesus did when he instituted the Supper. So if we want to know how to observe the Supper, we should follow that example. That's why it's recorded for us. Uh, so... I think I think uh, Aaron is right on the mark. We're out of time. Real quickly, we said, you know, the idea the idea presented, Jacob, was we just need to imitate Jesus. Yeah. Well, what would Jesus do about this business of examples, binding examples, following a pattern? I'm just going to read Aaron's answer. We'll be out of time. Aaron said, our imitation of Jesus should include, it should include imitating those with direct knowledge of what Jesus instructed. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, when he told the church there to imitate him as he imitated Christ. So if we understand what Paul told the Corinthians to do, we will understand that Jesus would have told them to do as well. When Paul taught, quote, the ways of Christ, he taught them, quote, everywhere in every church, 1 Corinthians 4.17. So if you look at what those churches did in response to the teachings of inspired men, you are looking at the ways of Christ. If you want to know how you should behave, look at how Jesus told men to behave. If you want to know how churches should behave, look at how Jesus told churches to behave when he spoke through inspired men to the churches. The churches who did what the apostles taught them to do were, in fact, imitating Christ. Amen to that. Amen. That is exactly the, the point here. The New Testament churches were following the instruction of the apostles, which were following the instructions of Christ. So they were imitating, in effect, Christ. And if we follow them, then we'll be imitating Christ.
doesn't get any plainer than that. I think that's right. I All think right. that's the right conclusion. Thank you, Eric. It's a, it's a challenging question. We don't deny that it's a challenging question, but uh, we got to be really careful. I think what some folks are doing is going to an extreme. They're, they're, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Well, yeah, that bad or worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and we certainly the scriptures teach that we should that examples are authoritative. We've got to use our good uh, uh, reasoning powers to understand which ones should and should not be considered binding examples. And and that's not human wisdom. You know, God gave us reasoning powers, and we should use them to come to proper conclusions about these important New Testament examples. All right. Well. Thank you for the discussion tonight. Yeah, my voice is about gone. I'm quitting. I'm glad that it made it this far. Nick, thank you for being here and a job well done. First time, but uh, I didn't see any any glitches, so thank you, uh, Nick, for being here. And, uh, well, we didn't get any discussion out of you, but uh, maybe there's next time for that. All right, we appreciate you for joining us on the program tonight. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. If you have any questions, any comments, disagree with anything you've heard on the program, we'd welcome those comments anytime, questions at collegeview.com. And we encourage you to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.